0: Okay, I think we'll go ahead and get started. Let's go ahead and open in prayer, first of all. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to talk about something that uh, we're all very passionate about. That is memorial services that glorify you and that sometimes win the lost also. So I pray, Holy Spirit, you are welcome. You're the great teacher. Uh, Give us insight and direction here. Now we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to welcome you to funerals that become evangelistic. My name is Steve Harrop, and I will be uh, your presenter today. What a privilege it is to, to share with you something that I'm very passionate about. Most people, when you talk about funerals to them, they think morbid, and I hate that very thought. Well, there was a time when I was a young man before I became a Christian that I wouldn't even go into a funeral home so it's ironic now that i am passionate about and actually love to to perform memorial services. Uh, just give you a little bit of an insight who i am. uh got saved in 1975. i was raised in a home mom and dad good parents but we didn't know the lord. so never once prayed for 23 years until i hit rock bottom and after a life of addictions, a life of uh, motorcycle gangs, and riotous, crazy lifestyle. No morals at all. After all of that, I hit a brick wall at age 23, contemplating suicide, and uh, God is so good. When I hit the brick wall, the very next day, somebody drove an hour's drive one way to invite me to church. And at age 23, I, I didn't even know if I believed in God. I was a borderline atheist. And uh, At age 23, I made a decision that I've tried everything else that people said would make me happy, so I'm going to give God a try. And uh, went to church the next week, the following Sunday, and shortly thereafter made a decision for the rest of my life, I want to be a Christian. I want to raise my family right, I want to be a good father, a good husband, and uh, I had failed miserably at all of those. Well, 1975, about six months later, the Lord led us to a church that he would plant us in for the next 10 years. Had no idea what God would unfold because uh, five years later, I'd just been saved about five and a half years, um, I was hired as full-time assistant pastor at our local church. I mean, it's a dream come true. You can't write a script better than that. And then to set under a wise elderly pastor that was a master at the art of memorial services. He would incorporate me in those services, ask the family if I could open with scripture and prayer, and then I would listen to him as he broke the bread of life and, and uh, the people, the families, were just in the palm of his hand by the time that he finished up, listen, a memorial service, a funeral service, great peace, great comfort. He made uh, the word of God really very relevant to them and to come alive. Also, um, in your notes here today, I'm going to, I use notes because it's something I can put in your hand. Um, I don't think I know it all when it comes to funerals, but I've been able to glean from some great men of God down through the years and the Holy Spirit has given me some insight into how to unlock the hearts of the grieving. Okay. Um, The importance of hitting a home run at every funeral is a matter of life and death. Proverbs 18, 21, life and death are in the power of the tongue. The funeral service could be the only opportunity a person has to hear about Jesus. How true that is. People are more open to hearing the truth when they are hurting and grieving and their hearts are broken. You never know who is going to be there, be prepared. How many has ever gone in to perform a memorial service and you thought 10 would be there and the place was packed standing room only. We've all been there and you got to be ready whether there's two or there's 102 there, be prepared. And if you're prepared, you'll walk in there. You might look out and see the mayor sitting there. You might see some attorneys and, and influential people in, their, in your community. And you can't be moved by that. You've got to be ready and know that God is with you. And you're on a mandate to deliver the word of God to these people that day. So be prepared. Know what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit will add to it. He is faithful if you are prepared. Be prayed up. Ask intercessors to cover you and the service in prayer. Listen, every word that comes out of your mouth they're hanging on to. Every word is powerful. You either add to their pain or you lighten their grief. Um, here recently, I was at a rural king shopping, one of my favorite places to shop. Being that We have a little farm, okay? And uh, so I'm in there, and I run into a guy that I've known for years. He gives me a big hug, great big guy, gives me a big ha- hug, and I said, how you doing? He said, well, I'm, we're doing pretty good. He said, you know, I lost a family member, and I said, yeah, I heard about that, so sorry to hear about that. We talked a little bit, and I said, where are you going to church now? And he said, I'm not going to church, and I probably never will again. And I said, really? Because I knew he had been a Christian, been active in a church for a long time. And he said, you knew um, about the funeral a while back. He said, I called upon a certain pastor, mentioned his name, and he said, while he is reading the obituary, the names, he he, uh, stumbled over some of the names, and he said, Oh, I know you folks are going to shoot me for stumbling over all these names. I hadn't told you yet that the funeral that he was preaching was that man's 15-year-old son that had committed suicide, shot himself. So every word that we say in funerals like that, you've got to know what you're going to say. When you first start out, it's tough. Um, I've put some stuff in the outline here that you can go by, you can memorize most of it I have memorized at a grave site. I, I don't even take a Bible with me anymore. I have the, the scripture is memorized. I know what I'm going to say. If it's an unsaved person in that casket or if it's a believer in that casket, there's two different ways to approach that. And I've got it all in the notes to help you, okay? Um, we're going to talk about before the funeral, the funeral itself, after the funeral, the funeral service outline. The graveside service, how to conduct hard funerals, conclusion, and then I gave you three sermons that the Lord has given me down through the years that I've used dozens and dozens of times. Let me say something about those funeral sermons. You always keep those because you're going to be preaching to somebody different, right? And uh, on the back of it, a little nugget here, on the back of that, write that person's name that you just did a memorial service for and the date that you did it, because later on, you're going to get called upon to preach to that family again, and you're going to wonder, okay, what did I preach the last time, and you never want to repeat yourself again, so if you just write that down, it will save you a lot of grief, and it will help you to pray and find that right word. Okay, before the funeral, the success of the funeral begins long before the person's death. It's been said that 89% of people that get saved do so because of a meaningful relationship with a believer. A little testimony, 25 years ago, our head usher today um, has been an usher for 25 years in the church. 25 years ago, his dad was in Grant Hospital in Columbus, and uh, his dad, Chuck, was a good friend of mine. I went to visit him, and, and I met his son, Rick. And I'd never met him before. And uh, later on, I discovered that in going and visiting and praying for his daddy, he said, I'd always had the mindset, I don't need church. I don't have time for church. I don't have time for God. But he said, when you come up and prayed for my dad, I thought, I want to go to that man's church. I want to hear him preach. And shortly thereafter, his daddy died, had the memorial service, and he got saved at the memorial service. The very next Sunday, he's in church, and he's been there for 25 years. One of my best friends, never given me a moment's trouble. I'd like to win thousands like him to the Lord, okay? He's been nothing but a blessing to me and to the church. Um, Next, number five, is when the funeral director contacts me, this is important, about officiating a memorial service, I always text him or her, and ask for a contact person and also the phone number. And I save that in my phone. I put under their souls and then their name and something that'll trigger that person. So if I'm calling them or they call me, it pops up on my ID, I know who's calling. And uh, it's important, I'll share a little bit later why it's important to have the contact person of the family, that's sort of the spokesman of the family, that's the one that you want to get all the information you can about from that person about that person that just died. Okay, the funeral itself. There are two main ingredients to the memorial service. I call them the silver and the gold. The silver, is, uh, the silver being the memories of the deceased and the gold being the word of God. If you honor the loved one properly, most people will listen intently To what you have to say about God. How true that is. I've been in memorial services where the pastor will read the obituary and there's no more reference to the person that died. Friend, that's a celebration service is what that is. You celebrate that person's life. Um, Let's go on. Uh, The silver or the memories takes time to gather, but it will be worth it if you take that time. What I do is I, I sit down with the family. If they have time, I'll sit down, they get all the family together. I'll sit down with them. I'll tell them, okay, tell me about your loved one. Maybe I never met that person. Tell me about your loved one. And I'll get about eight to 10 to 12 good memories. And then what I'll do is I'll organize those. Um, I'll start off with maybe the funniest, if, it, if the person had a sense of humor, then I'll categorize those, write down hobbies, habits, Buckeyes family, of course, and then we'll get down to family first. Let me tell you, you, talk, you start talking about family, and I'll quote the person's name. John said about Jim, and quote that memory, and people like to hear their name mentioned, okay? Especially if it's in a good context, not if you're being arrested for a crime, of course. But people like to hear, on the most part, their name mentioned. Years ago, I learned a valuable lesson. It was grievous because you want everybody to be satisfied when you get done with a memorial service. And uh, I think there was 10 people at that service that day. When I met the daughter of the, the deceased father, there was no other relatives, no, no grandchildren, no siblings, no aunts, no uncles. And I asked her, I said, now I don't know your daddy, but tell me some things about him. She said, well, I can still hear her. He liked to fish, liked to hunt, and he was a good, good dad. I said, okay, that's 10 seconds now. I need about 10 minutes of this. And you know what? I pried and pried, and she clammed up. She would not talk to me, wouldn't give me any more memories. And in the memorial service, I looked down, glanced down at her, and I could see her displeasure. And I could read her lips It's my dad's funeral. Well, I said everything she told me to say. So I made up my mind right there. If the family won't talk to me, give me some of the silver, I'm not giving them the gold because they're not going to listen to the word of God. If, if they're not satisfied, they'll shut me off. So I'm just determined, okay, call me stubborn, but I learned a valuable lesson. Make sure you get some good memories to share there. You say, what's this have to do um, about when it comes to winning souls for the Lord? It has everything to do because if you make people mad, You're not going to win them to Christ, okay? Okay, number four is the second gem is the gold of the word of God. Jesus said in John 6, 63, the words that I speak unto you are spirit and life. Pray for the right word to share in the memorial service. Make sure they leave knowing how to get saved. If we share with them the love of God, and we should, but we don't tell them how to get right with God, you know what they do? They walk out of there saying, God loves me. I'm going to heaven. I'm good in my sin. Okay? You're going to misrepresent God. So I shared that with a United Methodist pastor friend of mine recently. He said, Steve, I'm going to have to rethink the way I conduct memorial services now. You think about it. You've got them right there in the palm of your hand. You tell them about the love of God. Just tell them how to take that next step. Not everybody knows how to repent and get things right with God. So sharing a sermon or a sermonette at a funeral is not rocket science. Just keep it simple. Keep it very practical. Just reading 15 minutes of Bible verses out of your star handbook doesn't get it. I mean, after the second verse, they've turned you out off. They're not hearing a word you have to say, okay? So make it relevant, something that they can apply to their life Take it from there and build upon. Number three is after the funeral. Wait a week to 10 days and call that contact person. You've got their number, okay? Let them know that you've been praying for them. Ask, how are you doing? Offer your services. I do free counseling. I don't charge a penny. I'd be glad to help in any way that I can. A year and a half ago, a member of our church was not a member of our church. I hadn't seen him since I was an assistant pastor for about 40 years. He, called, he said, do you remember me? And I'm thinking, help me out a little bit here. When I saw him, of course, I recognized him. His wife had just passed away. He asked if I would do the honors. I said, I would be honored to. Um, after the service, I called him shortly thereafter, had coffee with him. We went out to breakfast several times. I befriended him, introduced him to some other guys at church that I felt like could really help him. And several times he's told me, Pastor Steve, I don't know what I would have done without you. We tend to think that after the funeral, people don't want us around. We might be their lifeline to, uh, to get them through that crisis time. Offer grief counseling. Um, number three is recommend grief classes. A lady at our church, her husband passed away about two years ago. And after about six months, I asked her if she would like to start a grief class. She said, well, I don't know. Let me think about that. And she came up with a monthly support group for widows, and they're still doing that today. It's a great support. So anything you have, if it's uh, grief classes, a lot of hospice care does those, um, steer them in the right direction. Offer a special service at your church on Memorial Day. We call it a celebration of life service. Call the contact person or have your secretary do that uh, for the family, ask for a photo of their deceased loved one and invite them to join the service. You know, last May, I did that for a family that early in May, um, a man's wife had passed away and they'd been married 50 some years and he was just heartbroken when I called and asked him for a picture, told him what we'd like to do, he said, sure, I'll give you a picture. And and I invited them to the service. And I'll be honest with you, I, I really didn't have much hope of seeing them. I, I say them because it was not just him, but his son, his daughter-in-law, their children, and family members came for that celebration of life service. And we honored her and, and uh Long story short, he's missed one Sunday in the past year. Now, this May will be a full year. So you make connections, just one thing after another. What works for one, doesn't another, okay? Others that have told me, I'm coming to church. What time is your service at? You never see them, okay? But then the one that you least expect, bang, they're there, and they bring their whole family in with them. So that's how you win souls through a memorial service. Number four is the funeral service outline. Um, I'm just gonna go through this and read most of it. It, It's yours to keep, hopefully it can uh, benefit you. If you're just starting out, it will greatly benefit you. If you're a veteran at at memorial services, maybe there's something that you can glean a little nugget here and there. Opening scripture, I suggest the 23rd Psalm, um, prayer, let your prayer reflect the good shepherd's care. You've just read about the good shepherd. Let it reflect God's care and love. My pastor used to say, oh, God, in that opening prayer, oh, God, wrap your loving arms around this family. And sometimes he'd call them by name. And, I'm tell, and you, that, that is so comforting when you hear a prayer that's personal. It's not just a memorized or a written down prayer you get out of a book that's not relevant to the situation at hand, okay? Make it relevant. Number three is uh, read the obituary. I always open with, we are gathered together in loving memory of, and then I go right on into the obituary. Now, when I first started, I I would write that down on that piece of paper that had the obituary, I would write that opening down. It's a nice transition line, it's smooth, and uh, it just leads you right into it. Um, I will stop reading, okay, where am I at, A, I will always open with, yet yeah, and B, um, I like to stop reading after the last name of the list of survivors, and then say, and I'm sure we can add along with that, a host of friends and family that love John so much. It's just a nice way of closing that out, uh, making that personal I don't read the list of family members that have died over the past years. I don't see that as being as comforting, but if you've if you, you touched the people, that's there. Number four is share memories. I always like to open with my own personal memory of the deceased. If I never met the person, here's what you do um, I say this. My only regret is when you mention the word regret, everybody's head turns. It's something about that word. I said, my only regret is that I never knew or got to know John. But after talking with family, I feel like I know him or her very, very well. I talk about opening up the treasure chest of your mind. Um, you might, might want to write that down. If you, that is so comforting. When you start saying, okay, we're going to go through, um, we're going to celebrate John's life here now. And I just encourage you to open up the treasure chest of your mind and to reminisce and muse over all of those precious memories you had of your loved one. They will comfort you, and they will help you. And I w- sometimes I'll add, whatever you do, don't kick yourself because you wish you would have done that, this or wish you would have done that. We all have some regrets when we lose a loved one. But your loved one wouldn't want you to kick yourself. Think about those good memories, and they will help to comfort you and help you in your grief process Um, another good line there is memory is one gift of God the poet said memory is one gift of God that death cannot destroy okay number five is is the sermon approximately ten minutes is what I try to keep the sermon if you know what you're going to say you can say a lot in ten minutes if you're not sure of what you're going to say you're probably going to ramble for twenty Okay, Um, that's a preacher in us Pray and make sure you have the right word for that service. You're not going to preach about heaven if you knew somebody most likely didn't make it there, okay? That's not the sermon. There's sermons that you can minister to the family that will help them, but you just don't go there. I like to memorize the outline. It flows better with the Holy Spirit's guidance. Always end every sermon with salvation. I share with the people. Here's how simple it is. Most people think it's hard to get right with God. Here's how simple it is to become a Christian. Repent, believe, and receive. And I break those three three thoughts down in just a minute or two about repenting, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ with all of your heart, and then receiving Him, inviting Him to come into your heart and into your life. Number six is the closing prayer. I invite people to... Uh, Pray a prayer with me if they want to make peace with God and become a follower of Christ. There's been times when almost the whole room pray out loud the sinner's prayer with me. There's other times they're not praying out loud, but I just, you can feel it. There's some people that's calling upon the name of Jesus. You never know who's going to get transformed, who's going to get changed um, in that memorial service. In fact, um, about a year ago, I pulled into a funeral home and this particular funeral home parks your car for you on the day of the funeral. One of the assistants walks up and he says, Steve, how you doing? I'm I said, I'd seen him for several years. And, and, uh, he said, uh, I, I just want you to, I just want to let you know that a couple years, um, I took that step. I said, okay. I said, what steps that? And he said, after you preached. A service here, a memorial service, I prayed that prayer with you. He said, I gave my life to Christ and and I have a church home. He lives down around Corning. He said, I, I go to my church and, and he said, I've been going to tell you that now that you wait two years to tell me this. Okay, thanks. But you see how important it is? Here's a funeral director, an assistant that prays a prayer. So you Even if nobody prays that prayer in that room, listen, they heard how to pray that prayer. So in a crisis time, they can, the Holy Spirit will bring that back to them. It's it's not just reaping a harvest right there. It's it's, uh, sowing seed at that very same time. Number seven, then I'll say uh, services will be concluded at the gravesite. May God bless you, Okay just a nice sign-off, then you can step aside and see them at the gravesite. Number five is the graveside service. I keep that short and sweet there, okay? I, a funeral director told me uh, some time ago, he said, uh, he said, Pastor Steve, I really appreciate the fact that you keep it short and sweet here. He said, we had a guy one time, middle of the summer, hottest day of the summer, a preacher said, now I'll, be, I'll be brief here. He said, an hour later. He said, we were sweating. We were about exhausted, about to suffer heat stroke. It was so hot. I said, brother, I would have gone up and whispered in his ear and said, your time is up, (laughs) okay? (laughs) Please let this family go. So I keep it short. I I always open with John 14, 1 through 6, 2 Corinthians 5, 8. And right after 2 Corinthians 5, 8, then uh, if if it's a believer— Then I'll say, we realize that uh, your loved one is no longer here. Now, 5.8 says to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So that's a very comforting scripture to a believer. So we realize your loved one is, is no longer here. This is the body, the temple, the house that they dwelled in for these so many years. He or she has gone on to be with the Lord. Now, they're in the arms of Jesus right now. They have a new body. They'll never grow old, never suffer the first pain. When you come to decorate this gravesite from time to time, and you'll do that, always remember, look up and thank God and say, I'm going to see you again. Now, that's hope. That, that's a joy to officiate a believer's memorial service. But if you don't know for sure, you can't say that. But here's what you can say. If it's a non-believer, read the same scripture and then say, we realize your loved one is no longer here. This is the body of the temple they've dwelt in all of these years. They have gone on to meet the Lord. Now, friend, that's not deceptive because we're all going to go meet the Lord one day. So I'll say, well, he's, he's gone on to meet the Lord and give account for his life the same as each and every one of us will one day, okay? Um, so, so what do you say then? And then you go on. So you come, when you come to visit or to decorate the grave site, just think of all those precious memories. You bring it back to a positive. You can't say they're in heaven. You're going to see them again, but you can bring them back to the thing that's comforting them right now, and that is those precious memories. They'll help you to heal in your healing process. Then I always turn to the casket, and, and uh, different ministers say different things. I always say, Uh, And now, according to God's holy command, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost, amen. Um, And, of course, very slow. I am hurrying today because I I want some question and answer time, okay? Um, But everything's super slow in a memorial service, as slow as you can make. I preach 90 miles an hour, okay? Um, But in a memorial service, I, I ask God to help me. And I start off slow and, and, and try to stay there. Once in a while, you get a little bit more vocal during the sermon when you start preaching, but you're, you're, you're speaking a little bit softer. Okay. Um, where are we at? Okay. Number five, close with prayer of comfort and healing, giving thanks for God's amazing grace and for God's strength. Thank you, Lord, for the the one set of footprints, everybody's heard of the footprints in the sand. You can bring that up in that closing prayer. Um, and uh, then number six says, uh, this concludes the services. May God bless you. And then I always go by and greet those sitting in, in the line of chairs. I'll go by and greet them, and I just fade away and get out of the road. Let them do what they want to do, what they need to do. Um, you would think that a graveside not service, but just the burial like this, a five-minute time, you would say, what impact would that have on somebody? The, uh, in Duncan Falls, the cemetery, they have a custodian over the cemetery. And uh, uh, two or three years ago, the, the custodian, he was a friend. He'd come up to me, and he'd always stand close enough where he could hear, not at the tent, but close enough he could hear. That particular day, came up and he said, Steve, what time does your services start at your church? And I told him, and he said, uh, I'm going to start coming to church. He said, and I want you to know, when I start doing something, I stick with it, okay? Two or three years later, three weeks ago, guess who shows up in church? The custodian of the cemetery shows up in church. I was shocked, pleasantly shocked. And uh, came back one week, two weeks, the third week, last Sunday morning, God moved in a special way, had an altar service, and, and about 95% of the people came to the altar. It was a glorious time of worship. We we're praying for people, for deliverance, for salvations, and this fella comes down. He and his wife and his daughter come down to the altar. I go over, go over to him, and he gives me a big hug, and he said, Steve, I want you to know that you have just changed my life. I just wept. He said, for 20 years, I've wanted to go to church. For 20 years, I've felt so guilty. I didn't feel like I was good enough. I had so much baggage, so many sins in my life. He said, I didn't feel worthy to come to church. He said, I've crossed that barrier today. He said, I know I'm supposed to be here. So uh, I'm telling you, you never know who you're talking to or who's the funeral director or the, or the guy that brings the vault. He's standing out there. Or the military um, squad that's there. You never know. Go out and shake their hand. Thank you for coming. God bless you. Thank you for your service. And uh, prefer them ahead of yourself. Number six is how to conduct the hardest funerals. Check and see what time it is. Oh, we're doing good. 136 for those who's counting. How to conduct the hardest funerals. It's it's not fun, but somebody's got to do it. And if you're called and gifted and anointed to do it, do it with all of your heart. What about the unsaved? You avoid avoid where that person is. You just don't go there. Don't give false hope. Pastor MC preached a, a woman into heaven. Her nephew attends our church. Her nephew is a Christian and said, I can't believe that Pastor MC did that. She was a mean person, and she never repented. He gave false hope to the rest of that family, to those that knew better, knew, wait a minute, wait a minute, she was not ready to go to heaven. I've heard good, good preachers, friends of mine, um, suicides, and stand up and promise their family that their loved one, I'm I'm not the judge, okay? I know there's mental illness, but you can't give that guarantee, all right? Um, So you just don't go there. Comfort those that are there, but you don't talk about where they're at. What about a suicide? Don't judge. Here's what I'll say in in a case like that. I'll tell the people, don't judge. Um, You don't know what the person is going through, but listen, we know this is not the answer. Okay, you're not glorifying suicide. You're telling, listen, this, this rips your heart out. This is not the answer. Whatever you do, reach out for help, and I'll offer my services. And uh, then you have overdose death. There's a lot of those today. Don't judge the person. If you've never been an addict, you can't really understand what that addict went through. Don't judge the person if you've been there. Um, But listen, I always say to the people, don't judge them. But listen, if you're struggling with addiction, there is help. Come talk to me. See me after. I'll give you a a business card. Call me anytime. Let them know that is not the answer. There is help for your addiction. If it's a baby or a child, those are the hardest. Um, I'll be honest with you. I've never seen a family comforted very much at that time. They're just, they're just overwhelmed with grief. The only thing you can do is say uh, you can comfort them with the truth that the baby's in heaven. Tell them how they can see the child again and how to get to heaven themselves. The conclusion. I would rather officiate a memorial service than conduct a wedding. It is an opportunity to make friends, help the herding, plant Plant the seed of the word of God, sometimes win a soul, and add to the kingdom of God. Proverbs 11.30 says, he that winneth souls is wise. Matt, a local funeral director, told my wife, Steve has taken funerals to a new level. She said, what? Yeah, she said, he said, you wouldn't believe the funeral sermons I've heard down through the years. He's taken it to a different level. Uh, one of his assistants recently rededicated his life to the Lord, went back to his home church. The guy would hardly speak to me before. Now, when I go to that funeral home, he comes up and talks to me. After every funeral, he'll say, oh, Steve, that was a good word. Thank you so much. I had no idea the guy was, was, was a backslider, but when he got back right with God, but it was in a memorial service that he got right, Okay. So, take that opportunity. Uh, sharpen your sword. Hone your skill. What are people saying about your funeral service? Hal Davis, anybody know Hal Davis, a great camp meeting spirit preacher for the AG? Um, you've probably heard this, Dan. Um, he used to say, read yourself full, pray yourself hot, think yourself clear, and you'll preach the Word of God. I met him when I was an assistant pastor. And I, I was, I was uh, just amazed at the way that he delivered and expounded the Word of God. He was a preacher's preacher. And after one of the sermons, I went up to him and said, uh, Brother Davis, what nugget can you give me to help me to grow up one day and be a preacher like you? He said, read yourself full, pray yourself hot, and think yourself clear. The thinking yourself clear, sometimes that's the one we stumble over, because thinking yourself clear involves the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit just speaking to your mind and reassuring you, you've got my right word. And uh, God knows what we need, doesn't he? Before every memorial service, when I'm praying in the side room, I'm not out laughing with the funeral director, I'm back in the side room and I'm back praying and praying in the Holy Spirit. And I'll hear the Holy Spirit whisper to me, I'm with you. I'm with you. When God tells you he's with you, it doesn't matter if you're getting daggers thrown at you while you're preaching. God's with you and you speak with boldness and clarity the word of the Lord. Um, Ronnie Brock. A great pastor, evangelist, friend of mine from the Church of God used to say you can't fake love. People know if you really love them and really care them about them. People know your heart by your words and by your actions. Let people hear and see Jesus. Now, here's uh, one of my favorite sermons that I've preached many years, um, dozens and dozens of times. Uh, three things everybody needs to know. Everybody needs to know that God loves, God cares, and God forgives. Now, on the back of that that, uh, outline, like I said earlier, if you'll write down that person's name, you can preach that dozens of times and never preach it to the same people, okay? I mean, if it's hot one time and the Holy Spirit says that's what I want them to hear, give it to them, okay? Now, when when you talk about the love of God, um, put some personal touch in it. There was a time when I wondered, if there is a God, how could God love me? I think a lot of people were there. It's, it's, it's something that people deal with. Um, so God cares. God forgives. Look at number three, God forgives. The two hardest words to say in the English vocabulary is, I'm sorry. Yet, they are the most liberating. Then you can go into repentance. What, what repentance is all about? I like using the example of the slate chalkboard. Some of us are old enough. They've still got slate in this room. This is an old building, I'm telling you. After every class, the teacher would take that eraser and erase everything that he or she had written on that board. And that's what God does when we repent. A lot of, a lot of preachers shy away from repentance. That's a good thing, okay? God erases all of my sinful past. I say, that's good news, okay? Okay. Now, you don't do that beating up on them. You can't preach hell, fire, and brimstone at a funeral service and think that anybody's going to want to get saved. I've heard preachers say, I gave them hell, fire, and brimstone. I said, how many got saved? Yeah, you ripped them to pieces. They were already bleeding, and you ripped the scabs off some more. So give it to them with the love of God, but tell them how to get right with God. Um, the account of the, the two thieves, one on each side of Jesus, one repented, the other didn't. Um, number, number, uh, it would be A, B, C, D, E, F. Here's how simple it is to uh, to be forgiven and to go to heaven. And then I deal with repentance, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, and then receiving. Now, when it comes to repentance, as a good illustration is, i I'll tell them, okay, you ever... You ever want to get right with God or wonder why God is so far away? Well, sin is like a wall that separates us from God. God's on the other side of the wall. We can't talk to him. But Jesus came and took that barrier down so that through forgiveness of sins, we can come into right relationship with God. And I love using the illustration um, about When Jesus hung on the cross, it was like he was reaching up with one hand to God the Father, reaching down with the other hand to fallen mankind, you and I, and bringing them back, restoring relationship. And the very thing that Adam and Eve lost in the Garden of Eden, God came to restore through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So we're going through repentance and then believing that Christ died, was raised on the third day than receiving. Christ stands at the door of your heart and knocks. I, I always, I'll quote that scripture and then I'll knock on the pulpit. One day I was preaching a funeral and I got to that place. Jesus is standing at the door of your heart and knocking. And I went to knock and there was a door six feet to my right, a wooden door. Somebody didn't knock, they beat on it like that. I mean, my eyes, wide open, I looked out, everybody's bug-eyed, their mouths wide open. Afterwards, one of the guys said, Steve, was that planned? And I said, "Uh, what do you think? He said, it wasn't, was it? And I said, absolutely, that was a divine knock. Let me tell you, everybody that was there that day will remember that, because the Holy Spirit can bring that back. So another one good illustration, and then, I'm almost done. Okay. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, My son got saved about 12 years ago. It's ironic too, that at one o'clock we started here today, he's preaching a funeral at one o'clock in Zanesville today. (coughs) Could not be here. And uh, got saved about 12 years ago. Well, one of the guys that was really instrumental in influencing him to salvation, still a great friend of his, that next Christmas, um, brought him a gun, a muzzle loader. You know what that is. It, it's one shot, is all it has. And uh, in their kitchen, both wives and both of their children standing around, Chuck said, Jamie, you know what this is. I want to give this to you as a gift to show you my love and my appreciation for you. But he said, You know what it is? It's a muzzle loader. It has the ability, one shot. He said, You, your life, you have one shot at it. Make it count. He said, Dad, every one of us had tears running down our cheeks. And I'll close out a lot of them, not every one of them, but I'll close out a lot of memorial services and let them know, listen, you've got one shot at life. Make it count. Don't regret your life. Don't come to the end of your life and look back and regret. Make your peace with God now. And I encourage him to pray a prayer with me. Write this illustration down, would you? I didn't didn't give you this one, but I've probably preached this one more than any of the others. Four reasons I want to go to heaven. Now, usually I'll make it personal and I'll say, if it's a believer, I'll say four reasons that John wanted to go to heaven. The first reason is it's a beautiful place. The second reason, it's a perfect place. The third, it's a family place. And the fourth, it's a Jesus place. You always end up in that last point, salvation. That Jesus place is going to be just about the same as point three of every other sermon outline that I preach. It'll have a little different twist, use a different illustration, a different um, Bible story or something. But it will always finish. So beautiful, perfect family and Jesus. You can fill in the blank. Talk about how beautiful heaven is. How perfect heaven is, there's some things missing there. Revelation 21, one through four is the is scripture reference. Revelation 21, verses one through four. No pain, no sorrow, no heartache there. It's a family place, our family that's gone on to be with the Lord. We're gonna be reunited, it's gonna be a family reunion affair. And then most of all, I want to see Jesus. The last two is uh, at the end of the day, Um, The Lord gave me this about, oh, probably four or five years ago, and I've preached it many and many a times. At the end of the day, uh, first thought is, few things matter more than relationships. Now, I talk about at the end of the day, I evaluate every day. How many do that? When you lay your head on the, you evaluate evaluate the day. Um, So, few things matter more than relationships. Number two, few things matter more than destiny. Talk to them about their destiny. Um, Are you fulfilling your destiny? What is destiny? Answer that question for them. Number three is nothing matters more than that day. Because in 2 Corinthians 4, 8, the opening text there, Paul talks about that day when he stands before the Lord. Then the last one is I want to answer some questions for you about heaven. Uh, Where's your loved one? Will I know my loved one over there? the Bible's very clear, yes. And then number three, of course, is how do I get to heaven? Okay. All right. That's enough uh, questions and answers. Yes, brother. On page four, uh, number five, a, you, you made a about that, and I didn't get it right Number four. No, five, eight, page four. Five, okay. The sermon, approximately 10 minutes. After that, day. Okay, uh Pray and make sure you have the right word for the service. Um, I will memorize the outline. Did I talk about memorizing outline? Okay. Open up the treasure chest of your mind. Okay. Anybody else? Got any questions? Yes. Yeah, that's a good question because when I'm talking with the family, you can talk with the family in a group. Some of them say, no, just call me, talk over the phone. Others, you mingle. How many go and mingle during the calling hours? I always do that anyway. You're going to miss some in the group. You're going to meet that uncle that he was very close to or somebody. And uh, so uh, I got off track. What was your question? Um, So if you don't know the person. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, thank you. Like yeah. No, um a lot of times that will come out in the conversation. They they love the Lord. So sometimes I'll ask them, um, did did your loved one go to church and get the ball rolling? And they'll they'll talk and then sometimes they'll open up and say, Yeah, they they read their Bible every day and I said, Why didn't you tell me that? Yeah. Okay. So you have to keep fishing, see. And uh um so if so and and sometimes I'll just come right out and ask them, did your loved one know the Lord? And and if they oh yeah, they or well I'm not sure. If they're not sure, we don't go there. Okay? We just avoid that subject. Yes, brother. what if uh you know, you said keep it short at the there. Uh-huh. someone in the family wants to like sing or something like that. Oh, that's fine. That's up to them. My time is going to be less than 5 minutes. If they want to testify or sing songs, I've, I've had them just take off and sing and sing two or three old hymns right there around the casket. And we don't hurry them, whatever they want to do. That's their time. I'll ask the family if, if they have anybody that wants to share along with me. Now, the thing you have to be careful of is asking a family would you all want to write some things down about your loved one? And you walk in and five minutes before the service starts, they give you a stack of papers, 15 pages handwritten to where you feel like you need the interpretation to even figure out what they're saying. And they want you to read that. Okay. So I don't ask them to write stuff down. I'd rather write it down myself. If they say, well, I have a loved one that wants to share something. I'm sure that what's their name and I'll introduce them um, and let them know when, um, if they want songs during the service, they'll have to request that because I don't encourage it because you've got uh, an hour of songs, maybe before the service. And then the service is about anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes long. Just depends on, how, how many memories you have of that loved one, but never more than 30 minutes. And, uh, but if you add two or three songs in there, now, if it's, if it's where you have, say, uh, uh, four or five preachers that are taking part in a service, that's going to be a long service, okay? I mean, bring your sack lunch, okay? <laughs> I've been to two-hour-long funerals before. That will wear you out. I mean, it's a stressful time. I mean, it's an emotional time. Yes, brother? I'd just like to say that whenever I invite people to speak during a service, uh-huh. I give them a time. There you go. I normally say, try to keep it between five to eight minutes. Uh-huh. And you're going to have people be conscious of that. Yeah. Uh, and obviously there's going to be some people that will abuse that. But yeah. It's not, it's not the that is so wise to find out how much time do you need or yeah. <laughs> And, you know, I'll ask a family now is so-and-so wants to speak. Did you give them a time limit? Here's the reason. Um, A lady passed away. She had a friend that uh, she'd run around with a lot, and they had run around, okay? And uh, uh, she gets up there. I think it's a roast instead of memory, a good memory. It's a roast. I mean, we went out. And we were drinking in a bar. Next thing I know, she has gone. And, and the next day, she shacked up. She took off with another guy. And I'm thinking, I can't believe you. I gonna
1: that back yet. Oh, yeah. I
0: mean, so, and she went on for 20 to 25 minutes. You know where my sermon went? Right back in my pocket. And I said, three things you need to know. God loves you. He cares about you. And he'll forgive if you ask him. And I condensed that about three minutes. I, I broke that down, prayed a prayer, and left. <laughs> okay, <laughs> And you can't do any. After that, she, I mean, she destroyed everything there. Yeah. So you, there's times you, I could write a book on all of the, the goofs and blunders that I've seen or done in memorial services, too. So anybody else? Any questions? Yes, Jim. You know, it varies. It might be a day. It might be a week. Sometimes they want to wait a little bit. They have loved ones coming in from out of state have to fly in or something. So yeah. So uh, they ask me, are you available at this time? And I let them know the director. I, I answer my phone anytime somebody calls if I'm not busy, I, I answer it. And so I'll talk to the funeral director, the family's sitting right there. So we've nailed down the time Right there, in all of us. So it, it really saves. Rather than waiting for six or eight hours to call the funeral director back, people are waiting to know that are you going to do it for us or not. So I, I try to take care of that just as quick as I can, and and work around people's schedules. Nowadays they do evening uh, services. It used to be just eleven, one o'clock. Now it's seven o'clock in the evening. Do a calling hour and then a service. So. You just try to be there for people, and meet their need as much as you can. Having that contact person is so valuable because mm-hmm. it filters everything. Oh. Somebody will come to you and say, "Hey, I want to do this song." I'll say, "Have you contacted Jim?" Yes. Have you contacted Mary. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't go through them, yes, it doesn't happen. That takes the burden That's off of your back, doesn't right. it? And it makes it much simpler. Uh huh. Yes. We got two minutes. Got time for another question. The last was woman that did not know. Mm-hmm. And son, this is and so I you write something Sometimes if they write stuff down, but I always make sure, give it to me ahead of time. Don't, don't drop a bomb on me, and don't open it up to the whole family to do that. So, Okay. Well, God bless you. I'm, I'm so glad you came today. Hopefully, these notes will be of a benefit to you. You can feel free to use them and say, I've always said, there's three things that everybody needs to know, okay? <laughs> God bless you.